0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It's amazing. Cleaner air during the pandemic is proving the benefits of a decarbonized economy. Dr. Jay Eddy is here on how the number of people harmed by floods will double worldwide the next 20 years. In Geeky Science, don't miss the seven things that happen when you stop eating meat or eat less meat during this pandemic. And our Fact of the Week is about the plummeting wildlife and extinctions. Tom Hartman here with you. Hey, cleaner air in Europe. The Europeans have actually looked at this, now European scientists, as a result of this pandemic causing these shutdowns. Most of Europe is shut down, and the consequence of that is measurable. There's been a 40% drop in nitrogen dioxide, one of the byproducts of burning fossil fuels, a 40% drop in that, and a 10% drop in particulate pollution. That's the little tiny particles that come out of tailpipes and come out of factories where they burn coal and oil and things. Even natural gas produces some particulate pollution, although it's very, very little compared to other forms of fossil fuels, particularly coal. A 10% drop in that has resulted in at least 11,000 people across Europe not dying who would have otherwise died. And this is just over the last couple of months as a consequence of this kind of pollution. This is... Pretty amazing. The types of pollution they note that weaken the immune system. This is, by the way, from ecowatch.com, a piece by Jordan Davison. The headline, cleaner air in Europe has resulted in 11,000 fewer deaths, new study finds. And these kinds of pollution, nitrogen dioxide and particulate matter, are responsible for 470,000 deaths a year in Europe. And what they're finding is that there has been, and I quote from the study, unprecedentedly dramatic reductions in coal and oil burning associated with air pollution in Europe. This is the Center for Research on Energy and Clean Air, CREA. It's remarkable. I mean, unprecedented reductions. When they looked at air quality, they looked at weather conditions, they looked at emissions, they looked at population, and they looked at disease prevalence. And what they found was that Germany ranks first with an estimated 2,083 deaths avoided over the last month as a result of this reduction in poisons that are being pumped into the air to enhance profits of big corporations. 2,000 fewer deaths in Germany, 1,752 fewer deaths in the UK, 1,490 fewer deaths than you would expect this time of year in Italy, 1,230 fewer deaths in France, 1,083 fewer deaths in Spain. And the kinds of conditions that they're looking at, they're saying things related to heart conditions, that was a 40% reduction in heart disease, a 17% reduction in lung disease. This is what we're actually seeing right now as a result of just six, eight weeks of clean air. A 17% reduction in lung disease across Europe, a 13% reduction in strokes and cancer. This is just remarkable, remarkable stuff. Dr. L.J. Smith, a consultant in respiratory medicine at King's College Hospital in London, told The Guardian, There's no doubt that a fall in air pollution is a part of the reason. Why they're seeing these fewer doubts, it's allowed us to question what we have previously accepted as normal. He says, if air pollution returns to its previous levels, my waiting room will once again start filling up with children and adults struggling to breathe. Pretty remarkable stuff. Sponsoring the interview this week is New Leaf Natural CBD oil. Boy, with all this flying around, you know... (laughs) I have been doubling my CBD oil dose. I love CBD oil. It doesn't get you high, but it, and it's non-toxic, but it's a potent pain reliever and anti or it has potent pain relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. I think it's the proper way to say that. And the brand I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals. NU Leaf Natural CBD oil is the highest quality CBD oil on the market. It's 100% organic, highly concentrated, has no additional additives, grown in the USA, and the only ingredient is hemp, so the product remains in its most pure and simple form. Go to NewLeafNaturals.com. That's NULeafNaturals.com and save 30% off and get free shipping in the U.S., when you use the code TOM, it's spelled T-H-O-M. Go to nu For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place, NewLeafNaturals.com. That's NewLeafNaturals.com. That's nu Code TOM, it's spelled T-H-O-M. NewLeafNaturals.com. On the line with us now is Dr. Jay Famiglietti. He is the executive director of the Global Institute for Water Security at the University of Saskatchewan. His website, jayfamiglietti.com, and Jay Eddy is also his Twitter handle. Dr. Famiglietti, welcome back to the program. It's been a while since we've talked, and thank you for joining us.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Tom. So you've been writing about
0: and researching the impact of global warming on flooding around the world, one dimension of water security, or in this case, arguably insecurity caused by water. something that 20 years ago was not so much of an issue. Now we're seeing uh, not just flooding caused by sea level rise. Uh, threatening our coastal towns, but also uh, we saw last year across the American Midwest and and across large parts of Europe and Russia and presumably other places, those are the ones that I was keeping track of, thunderstorms that are not moving through as rapidly as they used to because of the collapse of the polar vortex. What would have been a one-day rain turning into a five-day rain that becomes a massive flooding event and wipes out towns and, and floods rivers and things. Where are we at with all of this flooding and the various types of flooding around the world as we move forward, as we add another point or two to the uh, parts per million, to the continuously upticking levels of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases in our atmosphere?
1: Well, we're more or less at a tipping point, Tom, because none of that's getting any better. And factor in that we have population growth and continued development along river floodplains and along coastal areas. So the problem is only getting worse. And it's time for us to raise awareness. And it's time for the insurance industry to catch up and for the policymakers to catch up as well.
0: So specifically how? What What should we be doing?
1: So, first of all, you know, some of the numbers that are out there, I mean, flood damage, because of population growth and the continued development, uh, flood damage is expected to, you know, it's almost like a quadrupling over the next couple of decades. We've had about a trillion dollars of flood damage between 1980 and 2020. We're looking at getting close to a trillion dollars by the end of this decade. So raising awareness is really, really important, and that's awareness among people, and that's awareness amongst policymakers, zoning boards, et cetera. But we have to also be thinking about things like managed migration, and that's starting to happen. It's happening in different places around the United States, both coastal areas and along river floodplains. We have to be thinking about incentives to make that happen, and we probably need to be thinking about taxes, you know, we really need to be thinking about making it very expensive, if not impossible, to keep building along these really, really vulnerable locations.
0: I realize you're Canadian, but are you seeing any evidence of a political will to do anything about this, either in your country or mine?
1: So actually, I'm American. I only moved out here a couple of years ago. So yeah, I have spent most of my career in California. But that gives me that sort of bilateral view I think that in Canada, there's much more awareness. First of all, it's more of a resource-driven country, so water and energy and food are really, really important. But there's not the partisanship that there is in the United States. So there's more interest in dealing with these issues and in working with researchers and in using science than in the United States. In the U.S., there's still some resistance, but you know, Tom, what's going to put it over the edge is some of those dollar figures that I mentioned. Once you start talking about hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars and trillions of dollars, right, that's what captures people's attention.
0: Are we seeing a phenomena of the poor get hammered and the rich don't care and therefore nothing happens until the rich start getting hammered? Poor folks tend to be the ones living in floodplains, you know, the Ninth District or Ward of New Orleans comes to mind, got wiped out during Hurricane Katrina because it was cheap land. That's that's where poor people built their houses or where they built houses designed to house poor people. But now it's reaching the point where it's going over that threshold and it's not just wiping out poor people anymore. Now it's starting to take out multi-million-dollar mansions on fancy shore coast properties and things. Is that what it's going to take? I mean, is, is that what's going on, or am I just being way too cynical here?
1: Well, there's a healthy dose of cynicism, and that is in part what's going on. And, you know, when I lived in California, I lived in Irvine. It's very close to Newport Beach. And I think that the population that lived along the coast there expected california to build a monstrous seawall to protect their homes there is some of that unfortunately you know that's how things work in the united states and other you know governments that are operating in a similar fashion these days that it takes that you know the wealthier people need to experience that catastrophe firsthand before they are willing to have conversations you know with the politicians with whom they support we're talking with Dr.
0: Jay Family Eddy, Executive Director of the Global Institute for Water Security at the University of Saskatchewan. We're talking largely about fact here, the, the consequence of climate change, which is causing ice to melt and sea levels to rise and, and more severe storms and things like that. What's the state of affairs with regard to the cause? that is climate change itself. Do you think that there's a general awakening around that? And and are you seeing evidence of political will in Canada or the United States to do something about climate change?
1: Yeah, I think it is. And I think awakening is probably the right phrase for the United States. But in Canada, again, I think there's more awareness. But You know, I think oftentimes we forget that really water is like the vector which is delivering the consequences of climate change. Yes, temperature is increasing for sure, but what are we always talking about, right? We're talking about more severe floods, more intense droughts, even sea level rise is driven by, right, melting water, driven by the melting ice sheets and melting glaciers. I think. You know, we have passed a point in North America, in particular in the United States, where it's impossible to ignore. I mean, things are happening so rapidly now. It won't surprise me at all when we get past the COVID-19 epidemic that we actually start seeing some bipartisan action on climate change, in particular after taking a look at how we've got these or have had for a while now, since we've all been working from home, these beautiful clear skies and cleaner waters.
0: Yeah, it really is amazing. And, and it seems to me that the Green New Deal uh, is just perfectly positioned for this. We need a new deal. We need to put Americans back to work. We need our infrastructure to be rebuilt, but we need to do it in a way that's not carbon intensive. I'm just very, very hopeful that that's going to come along. Dr. Jay Eddy, I really appreciate your drop of by, sir. The, the Executive Director of the Global Institute for Water Security at the University of Saskatchewan, JFamilyEddy.com, the website and the Twitter handle. Jay, thanks so much for dropping by. Great talking to you. Thanks again, Tom. Donald Trump risking the lives of thousands of people. Over 100,000 people work in the meatpacking industry nationwide. I think it's 137,000. You know, he's basically demanding that these meat places stay open. Meat packing, you know, which is basically where they're cutting up carcasses. Forks Over Knives is this brilliant movie that came out of, I believe it came out of the Cleveland Clinic or at least it features the Cleveland Clinic, which is, you know, a world-famous medical institution up there with, like, the Mayo Clinic. And what they found, they were doing this research decades ago, and they found that vegetarians had less heart disease, and then they found that vegans had way less heart disease, and then they found that people with heart disease could actually see that reversed when they put them on a vegan diet. So they have over on their website at ForksoverKnives.com seven things that happen when you stop eating meat. Number one, you reduce inflammation in your body. And we're not talking about the short-term inflammation, you know, like a, a, a wound or something. But this is chronic inflammation, which causes atherosclerosis, you know, hardening the arteries, heart attacks, strokes, diabetes, and autoimmune diseases, among other things. Plant-based diets are naturally anti-inflammatory, high in fiber, antioxidants, and phytonutrients. They lower the inflammatory triggers, like saturated fat and endotoxins, which are found in meat. Number one, number two, your blood cholesterol levels will plummet; they will fall radically. Number three, you'll give your microbiome a makeover. The bugs in your gut will get healthier, and things will work better, shall we say? Number four, you'll change how your genes work. Going on a plant-based diet, actually, along with other lifestyle changes, can actually lengthen your telomeres. In other words, lengthen your life. These are the genes that you know determine how long we live. Number five, you'll dramatically reduce your chances of getting type 2 diabetes, which uh, 38% of Americans have or are pre-diabetic. Number six, you'll get the right amount and the right type of protein. Contrary to popular perception, meat is not the only source of protein. In fact, vegetable protein is a higher quality than meat. And number seven, you'll make a huge impact on the health of your planet and its inhabitants. This at the time that you know that we have shortages of poultry beef and pork and we've got Stores that are literally having empty shelves while 20 of our workers in these meat packing plants have died 6500 have fallen ill Uh, It's spreading from from you know meat packing plant to meat packing plant Governor Kim Reynolds in Iowa is telling meat packing plant employees That if they stay out because they don't want to get sick. They don't want to die that she's going to be the one who uh, is going to cut off their unemployment benefits. And meanwhile, the uh, fake meat, Beyond Meat and Impossible, Beyond Meat saw their shares jump 49% last month. People are moving from meat to plant-based meat alternatives. And you know, if you, if you really miss burgers, try an Impossible Burger. Whopper is open for, for you know, window delivery or carryout, Burger King rather, and the Impossible Whopper is actually pretty amazing. And, you know, it really tastes like meat. I mean, so much so that, you know, I, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this a, is this real? And our science fact of the week is, according to the biennial Living Planet Report, published by the Zoological Society of London and the World Wildlife Foundation, average wildlife populations have, on average, plummeted by 60% in just over 40 years. An international panel of scientists backed by the U.N. is saying that climate change is playing an increasing role in driving species to extinction. Biodiversity is very important, folks, and we are losing it. That's all for this week's Science Revolution. You can find the video portions of the Science Revolution on YouTube and check out our Facebook page.